Amen. Well, if you brought your Bible, I want to encourage you to open it up and join me in our reading today. It's going to be the Gospel of John, chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. John 15, beginning at verse 1. These are Jesus' words. I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me, also I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today we're, we're beginning a new sermon series, and this series is going to take us straight through the summer. It's called Fruit of the Spirit. Uh, feels like a good summer sermon series to place some emphasis on, and it's based on the characteristics or the aspects of fruit that lives in the lives and grows in the lives of those who belong to Jesus and who live in the Spirit. Now, if you were with us for our last series on prayer, these two series really flow together well. To pray is to live with an awareness of God's presence and to be communicating with God and to be aware of the power of his presence in us and with us and through us and in every situation that we live. And so this summer, coming out of that, we are going to look at what the tangible signs of the presence of God look like in our everyday lives. And this is all described by a list that the Apostle Paul lists in Galatians chapter 5. And you should have, when you came in, you should have gotten this handout. So take this out with me. Because what I want us to do, we're going to recite these out loud every single week. If you're joining us from home, I want you to recite them out loud too. If somebody's in the other room, they're going to wonder what you're doing talking to the computer. Just tell them you're on a Zoom call. And, and we're going to do this every week because by the end of the summer, my goal for us is that every time we hear any of these words we're going to remember that these are things that only come from God. When you're looking for these things, you're going to be remembering that these are the things we can pray to God for, that his presence brings these things. They are the aspects of what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. So let's read these out loud, starting with the word love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right, now show of hands. Now you have this list in front of you. It's there on the screen as well. How many of you need at le- more of at least one thing on that list? Show of hands. 
all right? At home, everybody's raising their hand, all right? Now, if you came with your spouse, I want you to turn to them and say, what do you think I need more of? No, 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 don't do that. Uh, we don't need to start any, any quarrels this morning. <laughs> Just kidding. We all need more, though, right? We all need more of these things. Some we need more of than others. Some we need more of at different points in our lives. As a parent of four children, I, I, I think, man, I could always use more patience, I could always use more gentleness. When I'm on a diet, it's not that I need access to better food. I know where to get better food. What I need more of is more self-control, right? Like all different times and aspects and chapters of our lives bring different places to us. But who, who couldn't use more peace? <laughs> who couldn't use more joy? We all need these things. And, and then I was thinking about this, and actually I've preached through the fruit of the Spirit uh, a number of times already as a pastor, but this time I feel like in a, in a way that maybe I didn't quite feel as strongly, our world needs more of this fruit. Like, like there's so many places in our world that desperately needs this fruit to grow. And so what we're going to learn in this series is that if we want to see that fruit growing in our world, where it begins is with us. It begins right here with you and me. And so what we're going to do through the series is we're going to take each one and we're going to spend an entire week on each one. So love, joy, peace, patience, and we're going to focus on it. But for this Sunday and for next Sunday, we're going to go back before we start on the list and we're going to look at the source. Where does this fruit come from? Because that's the thing about fruit. Fruit grows, right? And fruit grows out of something. And so we're going to ask, what is that something or what is that someone? And that's what we're going to look at today. And to get into that, to start, um, I'm going to go over here and, and I need a, a volunteer. And actually, it's going to be more of a voluntold because someone's son told me that there's an anniversary that's being celebrated today. Um, so Rick Thomas, if you would come on up. Uh, Rick and Julie Thomas are here. If you're at home, um, you can join us in celebrating. They are celebrating their wedding anniversary. How many years? 23 years. Let's give them a hand. All right, so Rick, your son told me that I could ask you to come up and do this, all right? 20, 23 years, he's on the soundboard. Thank you, Robert. All right, 23 years. And, and by the way, 23 years ago, you were married right here, right here which is just so special. Um, so I'm glad that you get to come up here and, and participate. Now, here's, here's what we're going to do. Um, most of the time on a hot day like today, my go-to drink is an ice-cold glass of water. But every once in a while, I really can't get my thirst quenched with anything other than a Coke or a Pepsi. Like an ice-cold, like you guys go to a Brewers game later, right? So, you know, there's, there's nothing like that, right? And so we're going to play a little bit of a game here, all right? I've got two cups here, ice-cold soda. One is regular and the other isn't, okay? So one is, is regular, which means it has real sweetener and it has sugar. Uh, the other one is going to be diet, which means it has artificial sweeteners in it. You're going to taste both. This sign is going to tell these guys what each one is, but you're not going to see the sign, and we're going to see if you get it right, all right? Okay. All right. You guys ready? All right. Can you see the sign so you guys know? All right? All right. There you go. Yep, you can taste both and then tell us which one you think is which. 
ones are in between. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Taste pretty much the same to me. They taste pretty much the same. Well, let's let's give a guess. Uh, I'm gonna say that is the uh, the, the the sugar. Uh, the regular. This is the diet. Did he get it right? Yeah. Let's give him a hand. All right. Before you sit down, I played a little bit of a trick. Okay. Here's what the sign says. One says regular cola. The other one says old and warm dog water. All right. But here's the trick. The trick's on them because. Did that taste like dog water? No. No, I would never do that to you. I'm your pastor. I love you. But these guys thought I was going to do that to you, and even your wife of over 20 years didn't step in the way to stop you. So I, I don't know what to think about that. Let's give Rick a hand. <laughs> Thank you. Here's, you did get it right, and, and here's the thing, right? There are people in the world that would prefer to have the diet, right? Some people just like the taste of that. But for the most part, the greatest, the greatest um, compliment that someone can give to a diet drink of any kind is to say that it tastes like the real thing, right? Like, that's the way it's promoted. That's the way it's advertised. It's so good, it tastes real because nothing beats the real thing. Well, that's what this series is about. It's, it's not about fabricating the list that we just read, the list that you're going to put somewhere and memorize over the course of this summer. We're not looking at creating joy. We're not looking at temporary peace. We're not going to look at off-branded faithfulness or short-lived self-control. We want the real thing. We want to go back to the real thing. And in our reading in John 15, we learn where to find the real thing. Jesus, just before our reading, has promised the disciples that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. We talked about this just a couple of weeks ago on Pentecost. This came to fruition. And in John 14, we read just a few verses before our reading today, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. He's speaking to the disciples, but he's speaking to you and me as well. He said, I will come to you because before long the world will not see me anymore, right? But you will see me. How are you going to see me? Because I live, you also will live. And on that day you will realize that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that while he will be no longer physically walking the earth, his promise is that he is still going to be with us. And not with us in this like mysterious, distant way like we often think of our loved ones looking over us from heaven. But he says that we will see him. And the fruit in our lives is the evidence of Jesus' real presence in us and with us and around us. And that's what he explains in our reading today. Look again at verse 1 and 2 of John 15. Jesus said, I am the true vine. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, there's three things that we learn. And the first thing we learn here about being attached to the vine, which is Jesus, is that every branch gets cut back. And I sat on this point for a while when I thought about this. Every branch gets cut 
back. It doesn't matter how big the branch is. It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter how strong it is. It doesn't matter how weak it is. It doesn't matter if it's high up on the tree or on the low end. Every branch gets cut back. And that is to say that for every branch, life is hard. You don't get to a place in your journey with Jesus where life is easy. The difference is that when you're attached to the vine, when you're a branch that's attached to Jesus, you are producing fruit. And what that means is that by being cut back, God is making room for more fruit. He is using your trials and difficulties for his good. In Jesus, in Jesus, in us, this is the work that he's doing every time we come up against a challenge. Every time we come up against a trial. Every time we come up against a difficulty. And this also means that in Jesus, we can be confident that when we come up against trials, that when we come up against challenges, that when we come up against difficulties, it is not a God who is smiting us, that is punishing us for doing something wrong. And it's almost as if Jesus knew that we would come to that conclusion. And so he assures the disciples in verse 3, he says, you are already clean. You are already clean. So when you're going through this pruning process in life, I want you to remember you're clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me and also I remain in you. For no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. In Jesus, you and I are clean. We're clean. But in order to bear fruit, the second thing that we learn is that we need to be remained attached to the one who made us clean. We have to remain attached to the one who made us clean. That, that the amount of fruit in our lives will directly correlate to how attached we are to Jesus, the vine. And when I say fruit, that's why we started with Galatians 5. Fruit is not lots of money. Fruit is not popularity. Fruit is not often the things that we are chasing, the things that we see as the fruit of the presence of God and being tied to him are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, how many of us have been through trials in our life and we've come out the other end and found ourselves to be more patient? Show of hands right? Uh, it doesn't mean we like to experience that kind of a trial, but that's the fruit it produces when you're attached to the vine. And the more attached to the vine you are, the more fruit that we'll see. And so how do you attach to the vine? <laughs> well, it's very simple, right? You pray. We talked about prayer for the last six Sundays. You read the word. You spend time in fellowship with the family of God. And, and I think about this as I think about something that I've, I've referenced this in years past, but I feel like just this last year it's been like almost every week I'm in a conversation. If you're struggling and you're not seeing the fruit of the Spirit in your lives, ask yourself, what am I attaching myself to most of the time this week? As I look back, what have I been attaching myself to? What have I been spending the most time doing? Have I been attaching myself to the vine? Have I spent lots of time in prayer and listening to godly messages and reading devotionals and spending time with the people of God? Or has most of my time been spent listening to CNN and Fox News and scrolling through the news app on my phone and doom scrolling Facebook and Instagram? 
See, for most of us, myself included, there's many weeks when we're guilty of doing all of those things a lot more than we're attaching ourselves to the vine. And the way this works is that you will produce the fruit of whatever it is that you attached yourself to. And so when you're feeling envy instead of love, when you're feeling instead of peace and joy, anger and fear... It's coming from the things that you're attaching yourselves to instead. And so the call of Jesus is very simple. If you want to see more of this list in your life, attach yourself to the vine. And then Jesus reminds us again in verse 5. He says, I am the vine. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and I, my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And in there lies the third thing that we learn. The first thing that we learned is that every branch gets cut. Every branch gets cut back in order to bear more fruit. The second thing we learn is that the fruit that we bear is correlated to how attached we are to the vine or what kind of vine we're attached to. The third thing we learn, and this is what we're going to study deeper next Sunday, is that God made you and I to bear fruit. He actually created you to bear the fruit that is described in Galatians chapter 5. You were designed, your very purpose in life by God is to live a life that looks like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control because when you do those things, what does Jesus say? He says, people will know that you are my disciples. And what that means is that when that fruit is evident in your life, God gets the glory. I think about that when I think about going in apple picking. How many people like to go apple picking just a little bit later on here in the summer, right? I love going like to the apple barn just, just outside of town here. And, and what do you do when you walk through these, these beautiful curated orchards, right? right? These beautiful large apple trees and they've got these, these fruit that are just, just hanging, just plump and, and perfect and red or green. And you look at the fruit that's hanging on that tree and you stand back and you look at that tree. What do people say about the tree? They say that's a beautiful tree. And why do they say that? They say that because of the fruit. See, that's how you can tell the difference between the fruit that grows in you by the Spirit of God and the fruit that you tie yourself to that is not of God, right? Like if you're just chasing money, if you're just chasing sensual desires, all those things, we do all those things, right? But, but see, when you're rich and you're famous and all those kinds of things that we chase after that we think are going to meet our deeper needs, people look at us and they say, wow, wow, you're awesome, <laughs> But when you have more love in your life, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all of those things, people look at you and they say, what's behind that? Who are you following? What lives in you? Because there's something different about you and they can tell just instinctively that it's beyond you. It's something inside of you. It's the real thing. And I was thinking about this and I'll leave you with this this morning. A few weekends ago, uh, my dad and I, we were 
I brought a piece. We were replacing some, some rotted deck boards uh, on our deck at my house. Um, this was this is one of the one of the boards that we had to replace uh, when we moved into our house uh, They built this this beautiful deck um, Which was great, but it's about 20 years old now And so a number of the boards are starting to rot and so I I went to the store and I had to buy more And so I bought new pressure treated wood uh, And then I went to the bank and I had to refinance my mortgage to pay for it uh, It's a different story. Not only was it expensive, but it was heavy like, have you ever had, actually had to move pressure-treated lumber? Like, it's heavy, and it's wet. And, and this led me down this, this kind of rabbit hole because I was curious to, to find out, like, how do they make pressure-treated wood? This is the kind of wood you use when you build stuff outside that's in the elements. And so I, I did a little bit of research, and I learned how they make it. They, they take wood that they've just harvested, and they place it in a cylinder. They place it in a steel cylinder, and they attach a vacuum to the steel, the steel cylinder. It's completely sealed, and they suck out all of the air. All of the air, even into the molecular level of the wood itself. They, they take it all out so that there's nothing inside the cylinder. And then instead, what they enter into the cylinder are the preserving chemicals that will keep the wood from rotting. And they put so much of it in the cylinder that it soaks the wood. And then in order to get it into the wood, they put 160 pounds of pressure down into the cylinder so that every molecule of that wood is right next to some of these chemicals that are intended to make it safe. This is why when it comes out of the cylinder and goes over to Lowe's and I take it home, it's heavy and it's wet and usually takes some Sometimes an entire season to dry before you can paint or stain over it. And, and I was reading about this and I thought, man, what a fascinating and complicated process. And all just to make sure that my little kids don't fall through my deck, right? All of that is for that. But I also was thinking about how even the best pressure-treated wood that goes through this entire process doesn't last forever. Again, look at this. This was pressure-treated wood. 20 years ago. And if you look inside here, you'll see that it's rotted straight through. See, it's rotted straight through because no amount of chemicals, no amount of stain could ever stop the inevitable process of decay. And the reason why is because that wood is dead. It doesn't matter what you put on top of it. It doesn't matter what you put inside of it. That wood is dead and then I was thinking, you know, wood can last longer than 20 years. It can, but the only way it can is if it's attached to a living tree. So that sent me to another, another rabbit hole, and I, I started to, to research what's the oldest living tree on the planet. And I found that the oldest living trees on the planet are called bristlecone pines. Here's a picture of one right here. They're actually in our country. They're in the White Mountains of California. And one of these, a couple of these trees, they've actually been able to date. They're in, they're in secret locations because they don't want people to come and vandalize them or anything. But they've been able to date a couple of these trees as being nearly 5,000 years old. And there's one of these trees that's so old they even gave it a name. Do you know what name they gave this 5,000-year-old tree? Methuselah. See, Gary Ellsworth knows Methuselah. Does anybody know who Methuselah is? Do you know where that name comes from? Anybody? Any biblical scholars here? Yeah, it comes from the Bible. You know who it is? The oldest recorded human being 
in the Bible. It's the grandfather of Noah, 996 years old, something like that. That's how old. This tree that's named Methuselah is five times older than Methuselah. (laughs) And it's still alive. It's still growing. And when I think about this, and I think about this list of characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul has given us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, I just have to wonder for myself and for you and for everyone else, how often do we settle for the pressure-treated alternatives to something that Jesus is offering us that's still alive and growing within us? And this is not to send you on a guilt trip as you go. It is appealing to turn to the pressure-treated alternatives. It's summer, right? How many of us are going to turn to spending large amounts of money on a vacation looking for some pressure-treated peace, right? I'm going to get it all going in a week, right? I'm going to find all my peace, and that's going to fix all my problems. Or or this one's silly. This one's personal. This one's for me. I I drive my kids to school every morning, and on the way home from school, there's there's some construction, so I've had to go around a different way. And on the way that I've had to go, there's someone who's selling their green Jeep Wrangler on the side of the road. And I, I shared a couple weeks ago, I had, we had to replace my car. And so now I'm behind the wheel of my minivan. And I actually like driving a minivan. My wife makes fun of me. I think it's, it's great. It's versatile. It's good gas mileage, all that fun stuff. But when I drive by this Jeep Wrangler and they got the top down, it's like calling my name. <laughs> and I see that thing. And that was my first car. It was a Jeep. And I see this thing and I think, man, how much joy... Would that Jeep bring me if I could just buy that? Like, my family won't fit in it, but whatever, right? Like, how much joy? Like, top-down, summer months, what could be better? If you struggle with self-control, think about this. Like, do you ever pinch yourself? You ever do that? You pinch yourself to to snap out of whatever it is that's tempting you, this pressure-treated effort to stop? Here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with anything I just described. Vacations are great. You should take one. And you can go online and watch the service. You don't have to miss church now, right? How great. So go on vacation. Jeeps are great. My first car was a Jeep. Maybe someday I'll own another Jeep. That would be awesome. And sometimes a good pinch can stop you from making a bad choice. Nothing wrong with any of those things. That's not what this series is about, though. This series is about those of us who are looking for lasting peace. Those of us who are looking for enduring joy. Those of us who are looking for irrepressible self-control. And we're talking about those things instead of the pressure-treated versions. We're going to grab the real Coke instead of the Diet Coke. And if you're wondering which one you've been grabbing a hold of, you'll know. Because when the vacation ends and your peace ends too, you'll know that that means that was a pressure-treated version of peace. When the Jeep rusts or you find out just how expensive those gigantic tires are on it, you'll realize that you've lost not just your money, but you've also lost your joy. When your pinches don't hurt like they used to and you give in to temptation, you'll find that you are giving in to the pressure-treated version of self-control. And if that's you, and it's been me, it is me in places in my life, if you're tired and weary, the call of Jesus is simple. Stop and come to him.
Stop and come to him. You're looking for fruit that only grows in him. It only grows in him. It only grows on the vine. And you were made to grow his fruit and to receive his life. And you and I were made to receive it so abundantly that we might go into the world, and that's the thing about fruit, that we might bear fruit, that we might then be able to give it abundantly. And it all begins by letting go of all those other things and allowing God to graft us to him. Jesus said in John 15, 16, he said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come before you, And as we think about this list that's used to describe one fruit, one fruit that bears out all of these aspects, one fruit that comes from your presence dwelling in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We come before you at the beginning of this summer and we ask, where are the places in our lives that we have been looking for these things in a pressure-treated version? In a diet alternative that is not the real thing, something that maybe has even sustained us for a period of time, but we know that it is not what you made us to bear. It is not the fruit that we have been designed to seek. It is not the thing that can only come from you. Help us to come back to you. So many of us are so well-versed in the gospel message that reminds us that in you we've been made clean. It's true. By your blood, by your sacrifice, by your love that you gave to us that we might then be able to go and love others, you have made us clean. But how many of us forget that we need to live clean? And the way in which we live clean, it begins not with with trying to figure out ways in which to, to modify our behavior, but it begins with continually staying connected to the one that made us clean to begin with. It begins by staying connected to the vine. You are the vine, we are the branches. And so as we enter into this week, as we face, even in this moment of prayer, the moments in our lives that are challenging us, the moments in our lives that are tempting us, the moments in our lives that, that feel painful, the moments in our lives that you are allowing us to endure hardships. Help us to double down in our attachment to you and your hope that we might go through life and experience those things and come out the other side experiencing even deeper fruits because you've used the challenges and hardships in our lives to bear fruit that will last. Help us to let go of the pressure-treated alternatives so that our hands might be free to grab hold of you. Because we all need these things. 
And you made us to live them. 